0: What is the purpose of our story? If our story, if God is writing our story, if we trust Him way more than we trust ourselves to write the story for us, what is the purpose of it? What is what is really what do we put on here on earth to do? What is what do we find the the, the realities of? This type of story, and and so today, just want to announce uh, that according to the scriptures that I see and things that we begin to uh, you know to, to interact with throughout our, our throughout the the scriptures, is this one concept that the purpose of our story is to participate with God in the restoration of all things. The purpose of your story is not an ultimate thing unto yourself, like your story and your success and your joy and having a well-planned life, according to all of these financial planner websites and financial planner commercials that I see all the time, is, is not that type of story. Your story, the purpose of it is to participate with God as he is on a mission in this world to restore all things. We talk about this a lot here at the church, is that our story, that our purpose and our mission is is wrapped up with God's, that God's church, uh, that God's church doesn't have a mission. God, God's mission has a church. And that, that, that the reason why we exist is to plug into what his mission is, and that mission is to restore all things back to the way he intended them to be, that things are broken because of sin. But through Jesus' death, life, and resurrection, things can really look like what he intended them to be and so today we're just going to sit in that for a little bit there's a, there's two major scriptures that teach us about this the first one is acts chapter 3 where it says this now repent of your sins and turn to god so that your sins may be wiped away some of you in here today need to be reminded that he can wipe away sins he needs to, he that he can take your past and he can make it something remarkable and then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the lord and he will again Send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah, for he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things as God promised long ago through his holy prophets. This word restoration is this long Greek word that, that is used only one time in the entire Bible. It's right here. Um, and and this, this word means original intention, that Jesus, when, when Jesus comes back, he will restore all things back to Genesis 1 realities, back to the way God fully intended them to be. And But we're in this in-between right now where this process is actually taking place. And this is what you'll see here in, uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, where it says this, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. And so this is the mission of God. The mission of God is he's on a mission to restore everything back to the way he originally intended it to be. And while he's he did this reconciliation work, he started this work through Jesus on the cross, and then we serve as ambassadors where Jesus is making his appeal through us regarding this reconciliation. It's this idea that things aren't dead. Things don't have to stay this way. The reality is death doesn't have the last word. That new life is coming. This is like resurrection people language. Do we know this? We know something about this, Right? And so, so we believe this, and we are in, become ambassadors of this whole mentality. That's why we don't move away from people, like there's some sort of, you know, judgmental sinner, like we judgmental kind of posture, but the Bible teaches about a people that incarnate into the brokenness of the world, into the separation of people, so that we can see new life flourish in the midst of this one. Are, are we tracking so far? All right, so so we, we don't remove ourselves, we pursue people, right? We pursue the brokenness. We, we believe deep in our bones as followers of Jesus that death isn't the last word, that although Friday comes, Sunday is coming. And, and so we believe that, we want to release that. And so for us, we have to ask this question, what does it look like for us? What is our unique contribution to this reconciliation process? If I'm an ambassador, if I'm a part of this reconciliation of all things, and I'm an ambassador of it, what is my unique contribution to that process? That's a very deep question that often a follower of Christ will eventually bump into if you're more concerned about God's story than your story. You, as you mature and as you grow in your relationship with Christ, you will begin the, the things about the, that we focus on in society, the things that you have you know, set deep in your heart, they'll become second place to what God's ultimate will is. We will begin to, to lay that down for the sake of Christ's work in the world. And so we'll begin to find ourselves, the more and more we focus on Christ, this is where Hebrews talks about when it says that, we are, that sin entangles us, but if we keep our eyes focused on Christ, that all of those sins will be eventually fall away. Because we will find ourselves wrapped up in the will of God so much so that our joy is wrapped up in its accomplishment. And that is a mature follower of Christ when we so freely share love and our joy is so wrapped up in God's will that we actually begin to see these sorts of things fall from our life, things that entangle us, things that stop us from wanting to participate in that. That maturity will create that. And so it's an it's incredible thing. So as ambassadors, we have to ask ourselves the question, what does this, realm, what the, what does this mission look like for us? And there are four realms of mission. There are four realms of mission that we, I want to talk you through fast today. Um, and so we should you know, get out by the time that the Bruins win tonight. Um, and uh, yeah, come on now. Um, there's four realms of mission. If you want to participate in the work of God, if you want to engage in God's story, if you want to see the purpose of your story actually take this turn to participate with god in the restoration of all things there's four parts to it and it works like concentric circles now i'm a bible teacher and so i love shapes and i love concentric circles you can teach anything with concentric circles it's amazing you've probably seen me do this like 15 times over the last five years and then uh and then there's also like the four you know the four corners you do anything with these little shapes it's incredible and so, but it really works with concentric circles, works its way out, starts with identity and works its way out to seasons. And so I'm going to talk through these real fast today and, and, uh, and just to give us a spur. And, and maybe for you, you're, you're at one of these spots, but you're really not, uh, you know, but as you grow, you'll begin to see more and more how all of these play into each other. The, the, the big warning symbol, and you'll see this as we go is when any of these overlap, you'll start to feel like a sense of angst and uncertainty about who you are, or maybe an uncertainty about how you're participating in the mission of God. But you want these to be laid out pretty well and forming each other on the way out. So, all right, first one is identity. First realm of mission is identity, and that is the question of character. If you go forward a couple slides there, Roger. Um, uh, next one, yeah. Identity, the question of character. This is Ephesians chapter 2. The, the, here's the major question about character when it comes to your identity: is not what God has asked you to do, but who has God made me to be? Your impact in the world, your mission in the world, your unique contribution to the world does not start with what you do, it starts with who you are. Your identity informs your activity your heart it starts at your heart and makes its way out to your hands it always starts with who you are the foundation of your life this character that is being shaped by Christ character is the consistent output of the of the heart it's this thing that everyone sees it's it's as your heart begins to be displayed through your actions people will start to understand your character They'll say things like, oh, that's out of character for that person, or that's inside character for that person. Who has God made me to be? At our identity level, we have to be shaped and changed by Christ, by the gospel of Jesus. Your impact in the world might be strong, it might be big, but it won't be what you were created to do until you lay your will down and you ask Jesus to shape your heart. And so this is Ephesians chapter 2, says it this way, Uh, Verse 8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he planned for long ago. If you want to have an impact in the world, you must first be created anew in Jesus. It starts there so that you can actually be shaped into the person that God created you to be. And when you start there, you'll begin to see the things that God has planned for you to do, that he planned for you long before the foundations of the world were even started. To see those work its way out to the surface of your life, you must first be made new by Christ. And that starts by believing in him as Lord and saying, there's no other person that I'd rather serve as my Lord than you. And that that my idols are going to be laid down in front of you. I'm going to get my satisfaction and my purpose in life from you. And so that journey starts. I'm going to start there. My identity is wrapped up in Christ. The the second realm of mission is the idea of purpose. The idea of purpose. And that's the question of calling. Now, in the Christian world, if you've been following Jesus for a little while, um, you might hear this word calling. And this word calling gets confusing this word calling, you hear all sorts of different things. When I was growing up in youth group, uh, we had a guy that would say to, you know, to a, a, a female, and I believe God has called me to marry you. Let me tell you, that's awkward. That's a weird thing to say to someone. Don't do that, right? God has called me to marry you. And you're like, I'm going to tell you right now, God has not called that to happen. Um, no, that's not going to work, right? And this word can get confusing. And so just let me unpack it real fast. The question of calling is, what has God asked me to do? And so, who has God made me to be? What has God asked me to do? And Psalm one thirty nine says it's He has actually wrapped all of this together, and He's working in you His unique contribution in you. He says this: "You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex." This is what I need to say to my wife all the time. God made me complex, babe. God made me complex you got to thank him for that. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. So he says, you've got a plan for your life. He's got this thing that he wants you to do. What is that thing he's asking you to do. And what he's going to do is he's going to take a conglomeration, a kind, of, kind of a mix of your passions and your gifts, your community, the things that you've experienced in life, and he's going to redeem them for his purpose. He's going to ask you to do something in a specific way. And there's, there's a general thing that he's going to ask you to do, which is this idea, love other people well. That's, if you say, oh, what's my calling? Or what has God called me to do? He's called you to love people That's the starting. He called you to not judge people, not go crazy on people, not fight with people on Facebook. That's not a calling, okay? It's not in there. Um, I looked, you know, and then I tried it, and then it, it didn't work. It's not fun. Your calling is to love people well, honor them, respect them, serve them, love them, do anything to outdo each other in showing honor. And that's your general call. That's what God's called everybody to do. But he's going to actually do some stuff where he says, you know what? I got something for you to do. I want you to do something in this world. What, what is that? What is that? And so there's a, a few aspects of call real fast that I'm going to give you. Um, because, because here's the deal. Sometimes you might show up and be like, I feel God's calling me to do it. And no one's like, like my friend who said, I, I feel like God's called me to marry you. That's just like not, not cool. You know, it's not a good thing. Some people say, I feel God has called me to get, or given me that God has called me to sing. And you're like, I've heard you sing, bro. It's not going to work. Like it's not, that's not how that happens. Right? And so there's a few aspects of call to keep this all in balance so we don't become weird Christians. Give it up for not weird Christians. Come on, somebody. Right? That's it. Let's not be weird today. Um, aspects of a call. First is this internal idea. God will call you. God will communicate with you. It says, I, I, I want to do this, right? I want to pursue this. Then there's an external aspect. I can do this, and, and, and I'm fruitful in doing this, okay? I can do this, and I'm fruitful in doing this. All right, God's called me um, to uh, go to China to, uh, to start a mission there. Okay, great. Uh, but you don't have a passport. Okay, I can't do that. I need to get a passport, uh, or, or you're unable to leave the country because of 9,000 different things that you did in your past. All right, unfortunately, God, I don't think God's calling you to do that because there's things that he would put a pathway and resources in place, those sorts of things. And then there's fruit to it, that like you can begin to see the fruitfulness take place, right? So there's internal, external. Then there's relational. Others are affirming that you can do this, this is so crucial, gang. Like, we, we really need to do this in a group of people, in a community, where they say, yes, absolutely. I was just telling this story last night when I started to become, uh, when I started being, pursuing pastoral ministry, um, I had a, a 70-year-old man that didn't say much at all. He was at, at South Attabore Assembly of God, and, and I, was, I, I was, I sat down, I was playing the piano that morning, and um, I sat down, next to him. I just said hi, and he, for like 10 minutes, affirmed things that i didn't tell anybody about about me uh, uh pursuing the ministry and he just affirmed me for like hey i just when i watch you talk with people and when i watch you on the platform when i watch you do this i just want to let you know that the spirit of god is just it just i want you to be confirmed in that and i just was completely out of the blue didn't even think anything of it, but just completely uh, encouraged this pursuit in me. And I just thought, man, how much it would be for the, for the people of God to stop thinking about human interaction in many ways and start spiritually edifying other people. I think sometimes we get so stuck on our human life and our human interaction, whether or not we're happy or not, that we forget and we miss the people that God has put in our place, that he needs us to move into the next step, that he needs us to actually pursue and edify, engage, and encourage well. And so relational aspects are so important. Then there's formal, I'm being asked to do it. Uh, God is, that, you know, there's, there's some sort of way that God is, God is making that happen. And, and all four of these in some manner will be present as you begin to engage with this call of God. And so there's, there's, the, there's the, the, that's the second aspect, this idea of purpose. This is my call. God is going to take your life and redeem it for his purpose and give you a specific contribution to the world. The third uh, part about mission, the third realm of mission is this idea of vocation, the question of competency. Now, so, so as we see this here, you have identity, you're shaped to be someone, your purpose is the question of, of this is what God is asking me to do, um, that's confirmed by other people, confirmed by fruitfulness in your abilities, confirmed by someone asking uh, for this type of service from you. And then you're going to find it plugged in into some role or some job you're going to find a vocation in area that you're able to plug this into and so first peter four says not four seven four ten through eleven says it this way god has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. So you have a person that's changed by Christ and their identity is shaped. And then they're redeemed in a way that their purposes are plugged into God's mission. And then you'll find a specific role where you can engage this now uh for me specifically um this i, I have a call to teach and a call to engage with uh with churches and 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 flourishing uh, see churches flourish uh we have a call that that allows this to to make its way make its way through uh through the world this competency here this vocation there's many different ways that you can plug this vocate, that you can plug this call in. For right now, you know, for right now, it's in pastoral ministry. It could be through some sort of a service that's servicing many churches. It could be through, uh, you know, just volunteering at a church. It could be through many different ways. But there's roles and different things that God has supplied to allow this to be part of our story. And so this vocation is not just one aspect of vocation, and sometimes people use the word, I'm called to this vocation, and that's possible. God has given you this opportunity, but it's the call that's plugged into a specific Role, you say you love children, man. Then you're like, oh, man, God has redeemed my life in a way that pl- just pl- I can serve children. Well, the vocational aspect of that call might be to serve in beginnings. It might be that you are an elementary teacher, an elementary school teacher. It might be that you are some sort of a you know preschool teacher. It could be that you are you know you you service camps or some some sort of way that this call is being plugged into in this sort of vocational. Way. Are we tracking on that so far, right? I know that's, like, that's pretty teachy. But, but it's, a, it's a way that says, okay, here is God's call on display in my life through this specific role, through my specific gifts that God has given me to do this well. And so he's given us this vocation, this, this opportunity to plug it in. And he's given you the opportunity to grow in these competencies. Just because God has given you a gift doesn't mean that you're the best at it. You know, like you should have like people say, "Oh, you're such a good communicator." You should have heard me seven years ago. I was terrible, right? People are like, "I don't have no clue what you just said. None. Like you spoke for 40 minutes, not a clue what just happened." Sometimes people say that when I write emails, they're like, "You wrote a lot of words, not a lot of things happening in that. There's no direction whatsoever coming to you from coming to me from this because communication is difficult, right? And so if God said, "Oh, people have affirmed you have this gift, right? You have this gift, this ability to do that, right?" Um, it could be anything. But you know what? When you start at it, you know, it's pretty, pretty bad at it, right? And then I think about the people who, who ride bikes on the Tour de France, you know. I'm sure at one point in their life, they started... On training wheels, just like every other kid, right? Unless they were somehow that superhuman, right? They were like, you, get right on that wheel, get, get right on and go 75 miles an hour down that screaming hill in France. Um, no, but you, they started on training wheels with their dad or their mom or someone pushing them behind and making sure they didn't fall. That's how it starts. But you begin to build these competencies and you serve the gift that you've been given so that you can see God's kingdom on display in your life. And so those are the first three. The last realm of mission that we have to engage with if we want to figure out what our unique contribution is to the kingdom of God. We have to start with a a heart that's changed by him. We have to get a purpose um, where he redeems our experiences and our gifts and he plugs them into God's mission. We have to find a role uh, that we begin to see this on display. And lastly. There are seasons, questions of context, um, where we begin to see uh, th- that God has, actually has little bite-sized assignments for us to do. And so the question is, not only how has God asked me to do it, but where has God asked me to do it? Again, God, God, we, people use the phrase, God has called me to this place, and that's one, that's one directional aspect of it. But when it comes to seasons, it's about boundaries. It's about starts and stops that are healthy for people, healthy for groups of people, healthy for God's purposes in writing the story. When we say God writes the story, we have to trust that he writes the story and not us. And so this is the the verse here in Acts 17 where it says this from one man he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. This word boundaries is the Greek word "horizo." It's horizon. It's where we get our, our English word horizon. And it's actually, I love this, it's a verb. It's a verb. And so it's not like, you know, when we look at the horizon, everyone see the sunset last night? Like gorgeous, right? Um, or the last couple nights, actually. And so we look at the horizon. In the English language, that's a noun. We actually are looking at something. In the New Testament Greek, it's a verb where God is actually horizoning boundaries. It's an activity that God does where he establishes beforehand starts and stops. And so his purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. And so every purpose of every season is to nudge people closer to God for that. Another example of a season or a boundary is a simple healthy work week. Um, uh, that's a good boundary is to have healthy boundaries on your day. All right, when I go home and it's at eight o'clock at night and I got my kid on my lap, I'm not texting about the next meeting that's coming up, right? That's a boundary that will ultimately start to eat away at your soul. Um, if you don't have a day off, you know God, create, God the, the Jewish religion did not create the Sabbath. God did, right? God did uh, in creation when he said six days, and then I'm going to take one off. And that's the first day humans were alive. The first day humans were alive were, was God's day off. I love that. And so he could interact with these people he created. God delights in his people, and he wants you to delight in his creation. It's like he created it for you. And so he wants, He says it's like it's just not good for your soul to not have a day where you're not connected to devices and you're not delighting with your family and you're not interacting with God's good creation and resting in some way. Every Sabbath day needs a nap. Come on, somebody. right? Like where you are actually being put together by God. You're putting back together. It's like an acknowledgment that God is the owner of this stuff and I'm just a part of what he is up to. That's another example of a boundary. You can have boundaries in relationships. Um, I, in fact, I think most relational problems are a result of having poor boundaries in life, where we don't know where our reality stops and someone else starts, and we feel like we have to need to rescue them, or we feel like we are a victim in many ways. Relational problems are very much interactive On the concept of boundaries and that's what god has in mind here he said this is really i determine those i determine those seasons and i want you to live with healthy boundaries and i want you to follow the context that you're in so that you can see that i'm writing the story so that you can see that i'm actually the lord so that you can see that i'm actually a part of this whole thing seasons are so important for you in your life do you have healthy boundaries in your work week do you have healthy boundaries in your families like like do you have like if if you get into a fight with your spouse and you immediately call your parents that's not healthy boundaries you got to figure that out right you got to figure that out with them and 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 interact with that in in a strong and healthy way seasons are so crucial And so if you go back to the circles, you see that all of these actually inform each other. You start with a life that's changed by Christ. You don't want to talk about what your impact in the world is until your heart has been changed by God. You start there, and then God is going to show you how how he's literally been wiring your life. And he's how he's going to use every joy and every struggle for his own purpose in this world. And then he's going to give you a specific role, a specific job to say, you know what, I want you to, I need you to do this for me. Could you do this for me? I want you to participate in this organization. I want you to do this serving role, or I want you to go to work with this in mind. This is why your job is your primary function of mission. When you go to the, when you go to work every day, it's the expression of your identity and your purpose, because your purpose even generally is to love others well. Your job, your nine-to-five, go-to-work place that you work is the primary place where you will express express the mission of God here on earth. And then lastly, there's seasons. And this is where Ecclesiastes says there's seasons for everything, things that start and stop according to God's good design and plan. And so David Wilkerson, he's the founder of Teen Challenge, uh, he says it this way, um, when God calls you, oh, that should be a big G, forgive me, my, my speed this morning. When God calls you to something, he is not calling you to, to succeed, but to obey. The success is up to him. The obedience is up to you. Now, uh, here's the deal, gang. Many of us, we have images of our in- interaction on, in the world that have much more to do about success than obedience. When you become a follower of Christ, your role is about obedience not about the success that has been determined by you. Your Lord, Jesus, has things in play for you. And success then, which is what I love about this, success is then not determined about whether or not you have the SUV and you can roll up to a soccer game and look like everybody else. Success is based on on the patterns of your obedience to Jesus. If he's the master, if he's the master, then it starts with him. Because when, when this, is, this is what happens, after all of this is said and done, when you live a good life and your unique contribution is lived and you're living life in the kingdom of God and Jesus is your master, And you're doing the things he's given you to do. And you're going to work to express the mission of God. This is what Colossians 3 says. This is what Paul says your life is going to look like. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks through him to God the Father. So in you, you're going to have thanksgiving about the things that you're experiencing, the things that you have, the money that you receive for doing this work it's like a mark that's life, that's mar- a life that's marked by thanksgiving so that whatever you do and say it's actually you're representing not anyone else but Jesus how you interact with your boss and how you interact with your volunteer roles, how you interact with the people around you. You don't do it as a representative of yourself in your own plans for the world, your own plans for how you're growing and becoming a, a new person or going to have this awesome, cool life. You're, are, you are a representative of Jesus and he's shaping your identity, he's giving you purpose, he's giving you a vocation, and he's placing you in boundaries so that you can be most effective, not for your success, but for your obedience. And that is a unique contribution to the world.